Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series titled Beginnings Matter, where Pastor Ryan will be unpacking the truth of the beginning so our future can be established with purpose. Thanks for listening. Genesis chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, uh, open those up with me. Uh, Join me in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 2. If you have your Bible app, you can crack that thing open. As well, Genesis in the very, very, very beginning. It's on page 1 in my Bible. Congratulations again to Kiera. No need to rush that process. That was a... That was a sweet, 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 tender moment. Congratulations. I cannot wait to see what the God of creation is going to continue to draw and shape and do in your life. Amen, church. Let's give her one more hand. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Second Sunday of 2022, uh, we began last week with a series called Beginnings Matter. Beginnings Do Matter. A lot of times I say it's not how you start, it's how you finish, but in a lot of ways it is how you, how you start. And so what we did was, we're going to be preaching through the first seven days of creation. Because I believe that the, the, the seven days of creation lays the foundation, it's the seedbed of every other doctrine that we live by, we're called by, and we are um, encompassed by in the love and the discipleship of the Lord Jesus. What we, what we are called to do. With this life that God has given us is found, wrapped up in Genesis. It says we're created in his image. So he could reveal himself to us and he could express himself through us. Love God, love people. Very, very simple. And, uh, and, and I think that that's important for us to remember because we have a tendency to get to too big for our britches. Let's not, let's not get too big for your pants this morning. Know that, that we are really just glorified funnels. Welcome to Church 213. Glorified funnels. That's what we are. We are, we are, to, uh, we are to, to, to understand how God has revealed himself to us and that we are to express that through us to other people. So last week we unpacked Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created... The heavens and the earth. We teach it in kids town. We have it on artwork. We have it in, in decor in our homes and in different places. We say it. We memorize it. But often we just skip right over it. There is some meat right there. And what we did was we looked at the first seven words of Genesis 1-1 in Hebrew. And we unpacked that to know that, that everything that we can build our life on in 2022 is found there. Because 2022, like I said last week is going to bring some storms. If you're, looking for, if you're looking for a pastor to tell you that this is the year that you're going to be healthier, wealthier, and wiser, this is the moment that you can proclaim it and claim it, you can say it and it'll be so, and you can claim your breakthrough, you come to the wrong place because that's not what kind of pastor I am because I can't find that in the text. What I find in the text is that the Lord of creation doesn't calm the storms often. He holds on to us. When we're slipping right in the midst of them. He is overcomer. Through the blood. 
of the cross, through the empty tomb. That's the message of hope. That is the message for 2022 when the winds and the waves crash up against your life and you're wondering, where do I find my foothold? That is there. That, that is, that is the, the thrust of Genesis. And that rolls in from Genesis 1-1 right into Genesis 1-2, which is, what, which is going to be our landing spot this morning. So let's stand together. Let's, let's simply read Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, says this. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Let's read that together as a church family. Off the screen, here we go. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You guys can be seated. I come by this morning to tell you this. The God can sort things out. Amen. God can sort things out. And I praise Him for that truth this morning, that God can sort things out. Because there are times that it seems that there is simply no way that the pieces that are surrounding you, that the, that the pieces that you are holding, will ever fall together in any way that makes sense. Am I the only one? There are times where you think to yourself, how is this going to work out? God, I come by to tell you this morning, God can sort things out, amen? I know you've been there before thinking, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? You might be there now. You might be there now holding, holding a heap of unformed pieces looking around going, how is this going to be sorted out? And verse 2 speaks right into that moment. As we just sang about, where God with the power of his, his will alone, spoke things in existence and, and his, is, is changing, thing, changing things around us in order to glorify himself through us and to draw him to himself, draw us to himself through the work of the cross. And verse 2 speaks right into that, how God is revealing more of his nature. Saying, he's saying, lean into it. I'm revealing myself to you. Lean into this. And so there's some takeaways that I want to draw out this morning as you take a foothold into who he is for what is to come in 2022. And this is the first thing. This is the first. I'm, tall, I'm calling it the beginnings matter takeaway this morning. That God can sort things out because he's conscious to the current state of things. He's conscious to the, to the current state of things. Church, God can sort things out. Because He's conscious to the current state of things. Last week we looked at one verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I even gave it to you in Hebrew. Be honest. Has there been anybody that's been practicing that in Hebrew? 
Anybody? I've been working on it for, for not just last week, but the previous weeks working up to this. Because it reminds me of the beauty and the majesty. Barashit, bara Elohim, yit hashmaim, yait ahares. Those seven words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then what does he, what does he do? The text takes verse 1 and fuses it together with his creative forming of that reality to verse 3. So you have the reality of creation, and then you see in verse 1, and then in verse 3, you see the forming of that reality, and squeezed right in the middle of it is verse 2. Verse 2 comes between 1 and 3. Okay. Aren't you glad you showed up this morning for the math lesson? But here's why that's important. The word that begins to fuse those two together in verse 2 is the word now. Now, that word is, is called a disjunctive clause, which is, which is used in a pretty special way. It's, it's very intentional the way the Hebrew language Moses compiled this and it got translated because what that word does, it frames, y'all catch this, it frames the set of the, 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 the state of things that are about to get sorted. We use it all the time. You may not realize you're using a disjunctive clause, but you are. For example, Kira was, was baptized today. Now, it takes exactly an hour and 45 minutes to fill the baptistry and 12 hours to heat it. And it was a special moment I'll never forget. You see what I'm saying? There's three sentences there. The sentence in the middle has now, and what it does, it frames, it gives context to the forming that's about to happen. Verse 1, now, verse 3. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? And so... What we see here is God has come upon the scene powerful, serious, and mysterious. He's beginning the process of revealing himself. Unless God reveals himself to us, we can't get it. But the revelation has order to it. It, ha it has different layers. What God is doing is, is he's slow walking the unveiling of himself in the text. And I'm so thankful because sometimes it takes me a while to get it. Because there's times where I want God to do it now. God, do it now. Just fix it now. Sort things out right now. I don't want to wait. We live in a culture like that. You know, we have Taco Bell Expresses. How much faster do you need a taco from Taco Bell Express? That's pretty quick already. But we are conditioned, and the enemy's taking advantage of that, church. We're conditioned to want things right now, right away. And when it doesn't happen, we feel like we've missed something or that God isn't in his nature who he says he is. But there's often benefit to when God reveals glory slowly because it gives us time to process and to soak it into our core. I'm quirky around Christmas. I like to open all of my presents Christmas morning. Not just, not just the presents that... that you know, we've wrapped for our own family. And I'm talking about presents maybe that I've gotten at other gatherings a couple of weeks before that. I'll take them and I'll put them all on the tree and I'll open them all at once. Drives the family crazy. Because I like to be able to have a, a moment of pause that I can just slowly kind of soak in. Who's this from? And just kind of soak it in in that moment. The reality is we might not like it. How God reveals himself to us slowly but it's not about us. 
I've come by this morning to tell you that God can sort things out. And it ain't about us. It is, it is about His story. Because our story is His story. It's, it's His story. And what we see in verse 1 is the suddenly of God. And that's where we like to live many times. Now. Suddenly. Give it to me now. But what we see is the rest of creation is, is a slowly. God works in the suddenly and the slowly. Often He works in the slowly. But it's in our impatience, and I want you to catch this, it's in our impatience that we tend to forget that time is not bound. Time is bound in the Lord. God, the Lord is not bound by time. So what we may think is slow revealing or suddenly unveiling, He is outside of that time and space. He sees everything in one view. So when we think, God, why are you taking so long? He's like, what is long? I see the whole thing. I have time in my hands. And that's what verse 2 is forming for us. It's a further revealing of His nature. So relax. Trust Him. God can sort things out. And it's in our impatience that we might overlook the condition to which God is actually working in. And it's difficult to see the hand of God sorting things out around us. Catch this, when we're not honestly evaluating all the pieces before us. God can sort things out and He will sort things out. But we struggle to notice that He's even working if we're unaware or if we're unwilling to admit the current condition that we're in. You can't live by faith with your head in the sand. That's what I'm trying to say. When God begins to work things out, when God begins to sort things out, we have to, we have to look at, at the pieces that we have found us holding. What is actually surround? Slow down. Stop being impatient. And actually, honestly evaluate what is your now. That's why there's so much value in taking a long, hard look at the now. Because once we rep, re, uh, recognize where we are and where our decisions have taken us, then we can honestly start to release those things and let God begin to sort them out. But if we're frantically unaware of actually what we're holding, then we, we don't realize what God is doing to work them out because we won't be still enough to evaluate and take a good, long, hard look at where we are and what we have done to create the environment many times in our own life. We just expect God to work and move. And He is, but we can't see it because we don't know what we're looking at. Y'all write this down. The shaping process is magnificent when the pieces are properly sorted. The shaping process is magnificent when the pieces are properly sorted out. And when we honestly release the things that we, that, that we and we, we don't like to do it because it hurts, but to admit what pieces we have, many times the pieces we, we, that we've created by our own actions, when we admit those things and then we can humbly and honestly submit those things to the Lord and back away, He will sort things out because that's who He is. For Christmas, uh, Emma was gifted a bookshelf for a room. And I knew what the final, what the, we knew, you with me, Emma? 
we, we knew what the final product was supposed to look like because there was a picture on the box. And what would have been really easy was to be able just to peel that sticker off and put it up on the wall and be done, but I knew better than that. What, what I knew was inside of that box, there was a huge bag of sheetrock screws, of anchors, of cam locks, and a manual in languages that I didn't speak, and had pictures no matter how I turned it, it all looked the same. I knew that's what I was about to get into. Y'all been there. I knew that's what I was about to get into. And so I opened the box and we dumped everything out. And guess what we found? That is exactly what happened. Pieces fell out. The bag fell out. The instructions fell out. And it was in a language that I couldn't speak. What, I, what, what we were looking at was the now. That, dis, that dis, disjunctive clause. That now, it was defining our honest reality. I, I couldn't deny what I was staring at. This was the space. What I was staring at was the space between the goal of the final product, which I knew what it looked like because it was on the box, and the completion of the final product, the work that I had to do. I knew the task before me. But before I could get there, what we had to do was we had to honestly evaluate what we had. What was right in front of us. We couldn't fool ourselves. We had to make sure everything was there. So what do we do? Well, we put the sides over here. We put the top up here. We, we put all the hooks in one place. We put the hardware in another. And you know what I found? I began to have hope. <laughs> I began to have hope that this could actually look like what it was supposed to look like because once I took an honest evaluation of what pieces I had and that they were all there, I had so much more confidence in the work that I was about to begin. What we see in verse 2 is that now, it is that evaluation, a consciousness, a consciousness of the current state of things. And we have to be careful not to fall into the trap of expecting God to work around us without honestly evaluating what needs to be done inside of us. That's the next thing there. I come by to tell you this. God can sort things out because he's conscious of the current state of things. He sees the current state of things. In those moments, and Kiara and Debbie and I had a long conversation last Sunday in that moment where, where she was wondering, does God know the current state of things? He absolutely knows the current state of things. Draw us to ourselves. Where we are is do we have the interest to admit the current state of things? Because you can't live by faith with your head in the sand. Because here's the thing. The goal of the Creator is always our heart. See, we, we can't go out and change anything out there until we first take a deep, long look about what's in here. Because the Bible says we are crooked deep down. I like to say even a crooked stick can draw a straight line. We have to look in here because it's in here, the Word says, that is the wellspring of life. Yes, God is interested in creation, but we are made in His image and we change creation as we allow him to change in here. So what we have to do is we have to have a conscious effort to know what's going on inside of here. 
We got to sort things out in here. Because if we can't sort things out in here, we will never be able to rearrange to anything that makes sense out there. We're just living in vain. Amen? That is called discipleship. It is allowing the God of creation who spoke things into existence to rearrange and call to account what's going on inside of here. We find that theme all throughout the Bible. Moses, Moses challenged the Israelites to look at the now. Where are you now? We see this in Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26 says this. This is the words of Moses. And today the Lord has affirmed that you are his own possession. As he had promised you. Chosen. To bless the world. Through redemption. Through the son. Possession as he has promised. That you are to keep all his commandments. That he will elevate you to praise fame, and glory above all the nations he has made and that you will be a holy people to the Lord your God as he had promised. What he's doing, he's reminding them of the now. What is the now? What, is, what are you created to do in here? So Moses challenged the Israelites to the now. So did King David, Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David says, Create. God created me a, a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit. Where? Church. Within me. He doesn't say, God help me to go out and conquer the world. He's like, God help me conquer myself. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways. And sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God. God of my salvation and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. Man, this is powerful. Catch this. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. It's a hunger. It's a hunger for the things of God in here. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, God. And in your good pleasure, call Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifice. Whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. What he's saying is, what you bring in here to give in public doesn't matter if it's not from a place of authenticity in private. If the only time that you give praise is on Sunday, you're missing out. David was, was called to rebuild, to, to expand the kingdom, to further the purposes of God. And what David is saying is, I know that there's no way I can do that unless I let you work in my life. So God, please create a clean heart. Renew your spirit inside of me. The now. He understood the now. So did Paul at the church of Colossae. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what this is showing us, it's about what's in here, church. If you're going to find a foothold for 2022 to be able to stand against the winds of the waves that are coming against you, you better have what in here clearly evaluated 
and let him do some rearranging. Amen. Because if you're going to make an impact out there, you've got to let him impact you in here. He's conscious of it. What we have to be is the same thing. We have to be conscious. Because beginnings matter. God knows the state of things that, that needs to be sorted out. Because he's, he is the creator. He is aware of those things. And I don't want to rush past the current conditions of where you are with the Lord. Because there is greater glory in the process of God unveiling himself when we admit the state of things in our own life that we have manufactured. I think, I think we would all be better off if we would raise our hands and go, that's on me. Right? Why do we want to pass the blame? We are often to blame. This is on me. God, that, what I see around me that just fell out of me, the box of supplies that just, just fell out, that's on me. God, help me to look and see where I am. What have I created? And God, help me to, to give you those things so you can sort them out. Because you can't live a life of faith with your head in the sand. So beginnings matter. And I'm going to tell you, now's the time to start being conscious of it. So where's your walk with Christ? Now. How's your schedules? Now. And if you had to lay the pieces out. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the schedule and look at the schedule because you're too busy, right? How's your marriage now? What condition is your family in now? If you had to lay the pieces out and evaluate them, what is the now? And God can sort things out because He's conscious of the current state of things. To God be the glory. He's just waiting for us to unveil them to him so we can begin to see him work. There's just something else too, another takeaway. Yeah, God can sort things out because he's conscious to the current state, but God can sort things out regardless of the current state. Amen? Regardless of what you just dumped out and what you just honestly said, this is it. What am I going to do with this? What verse 2 shows us is regardless of those things, God can sort them out. Thinking, thinking about that little bookshelf. Emma and I knew how to sort them out because the manufacturer gave us an instruction manual. Now, granted, it was in five different languages, four of which I didn't, well, four and a half of which I didn't speak. I do good just to speak English. But because of the instruction manual, I was able to look, and it gave us the ability to take what was scattered and what was unformed and because of the manufacturer's wisdom, regardless of what we saw, we had peace that we could work it out. See, the text tells us, let's read it again together, Genesis 1-2. I don't want you to miss it. Yeah, he's conscious of it. Verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. Which means it was in an unfulfilled state. It was a mess. God was getting ready to, to, to sort things out, to form things. One day, 
on day one we saw it just emerged from, from eternity. We, we find the, the earth, it was dark. It was in this barren condition. Verse 2 reveals those things in three ways. It says that the, the earth in its original state was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That was the conscious condition of things. God was getting ready to sort some things out. Here's this new planet. It is the focus of God's creative purposes. It was, it was the canvas. He was getting ready to further reveal himself. And it was formless and void. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Hebrew expression of the words formless and void mean the earth was an empty place. It was utter desolation. These words speak about waste and barrenness. See, both, if you, if you look at the prophets, both Jeremiah and Isaiah, they use the same Hebrew phrase to describe the way the nation of Israel would be after they continued to sin against God. They were, drawing their, they were drawing the people's mind back to a scripture that they knew. The Israelites knew Genesis 1-2. They knew what the earth was like. What was once a fruitful land had become a wilderness. They were in Babylon. They got word. When Nehemiah got word what the condition of the land was, he was broken because he understood that the phrase that was used was the land. That, that was the description of Genesis 1-2. So that was the picture it was a wasteland, devastated place without any inhabitants. It lost its former beauty and it had no form. Picture leaving your home, getting to vacation spot, getting news that your house had burned down. What's, what's left? Nothing. Nothing is left. That's, that's the picture here. Their sin had reverted the land that reminded Jeremiah and Isaiah to the state of the earth in the beginning before God's creative work had formed it into something beautiful. And that speaks to you. That's, that speaks to me. And I don't, mom, dad, and teenager, don't miss this. And I've said it before. Willingly and consistently going against the voice of God in your life, your image bearer will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Because that's what sin does. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy the image and the purpose of God in our lives. And if you follow that willingly and consistently, you're going to get to the point where you look around and you're like, where in the world am I? It's like you don't even realize where you are. You may look around and you know, say, who in the world am I? What have I become? Look where, look where this life has taken me when I've run from the, my creator, the image bearer. It's almost like I don't even recognize the land that I'm living in anymore. Some of you may be there this morning. Some of you may, maybe have brought that, that knowledge into this place. Like, I, I need to change. Something has got to change because I don't even realize who I am anymore. What these words suggest is that the shape of the earth was unfinished and empty. The raw materials were there, but it had not been given any form 
The features of the earth as we know it were unseparated, they were unorganized, and they were uninhabited. And according to the scriptures, it was covered by water. So the picture that we're looking at is you have this vast, formless mass covered in complete water and complete darkness. It was engulfed in blackness. But the end of verse 2, y'all, there's hope. What it says is that the Spirit of God was hovering over that mass. The Spirit of God was still the exclusive agent for change when the reality was being drowned out by darkness. When it looks like things can't get any worse, when life is surrounded by darkness, ask the Lord to take your mind back to Genesis 1-2. The Spirit of God was still the acting agent the ruler, the master, the Lord over those darkness. God is not finished or empty. Amen? God can sort things out. He was still working to make something magnificent of all of this. Actually, He created it in order to make something magnificent. The original watery state of the earth is seen in Psalms 104, 5-9. Psalm 104, 5-9 says this. He established the earth on its foundations. It will never be shaken. You can hold on to that. If the earth is established on its foundations by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so can your foundation be. When you think the world is shaking you, God's got you. You covered it with the deep as if it were a garment. The water stood above the mountains. And at your rebuke, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. God can sort things out. Amen? Mountains rose and valleys sank to the place you established for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. They will never cover the earth again. If the Lord of creation can hold back those things, what are the issues that we're facing? Bereshit, bara, Elohim, yait, yashmeim, hashmeim, yait, ahares. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The picture here is like a potter with some clay. That's the picture. So she, she first takes this lump of unformed clay, floom, throws it down on the wheel, and then begins to mold and to fit. And so what we see is the now statement, the sense of verse 2, is that, the, the, that, that it's important to understand what reality was like because God was about to do what only He can do in shaping what was, what was once dark and desolate and empty as the Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. He was getting ready to sort some stuff out. The Spirit of God was there. Three in one. We saw that last week. God the Father, Son, the Spirit. Three in one. The Spirit of God was hovering. It, in, it surrounded it. God was still active. And He was still there. 
When your life seems like it is surrounded by darkness, God is still active and God is still there. Take your heart back to Genesis 1-2. The Hebrew word for, for hovering is interesting because it's like a hen around her chicks. It's, uh, it's, it, it indicates divine care and, and supervision. Have you ever seen a, if you've ever seen a mama bear or a mama hen or a mama dog or just a mama, what we have is divine care and superintending supervision. You want to know who's in charge around a mama bear? The mama bear is in charge. Around the mama hen? The mama hen. The word implies protective movement. Y'all, that is the picture here of Genesis 1-2. The Spirit of God is hovering over what was dark and empty and formless and void. Like a mother hen, active, protecting, protective movement. Henry Morse suggest that the, the final phrase of Genesis 1-2 could be translated, the Spirit of God vibrated over the face of the earth. You ever seen a mama hen like settle down? You know, the feathers, you know, everything's getting settled. That's the picture of the Spirit of God vibrating over what appeared dark, dark, void, empty, Hopeless, unusable. He didn't treat, God didn't create some mechanism and wound it up and just let it evolve and just do its thing automatically. Absolutely not. Y'all, he was actively involved, personally involved in every aspect of creation. That will anchor you in 2022 when it seems like nobody's hovering over you. Every bit of it, I'm talking about from the tiniest subatomic particle to the grandest galaxy, shows the handiwork of his fingers. And we're made in his image. You can take that to the bank. Psalm 8.3 tells us this. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon and the stars, which you set in place. It goes on to say, who am I to think that you chose me? He's hovering over us. He's hovering over you. Actively moving. God can sort things out. He can sort things out when, honestly, when we honestly evaluate our now. And then we trust him. We trust him. Regardless of the way things are now. That's the beauty of it. Regardless of how we look around and what we survey. Regardless of those things. When we honestly lay them before the Lord. He can work them out. He can sort them. He can sort them out. Because he's conscious of them. He can sort them out. Regardless of them. Because he has a different perspective than we do. Amen. He has it. He sees them differently than we do. God has a different intent of the current state of things. See, when we opened, Emma and I opened that box, we knew the intent. It was a little bookshelf with three little hooks, some cam locks. We knew the intent. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, 
that when you look at the, when, when you know that he's conscious of things and when we're conscious to himself and we are honestly able to, with humility, lay them out before the God, let him, let him take a deep dive in here and we are honest with ourselves. This is what I've created. This is what I've done. This is what my rebellion has gotten me. When we lay those things out before the Lord, he can use them regardless of what we see because he can see things that we can't see. It's a, it's a different intent to the current state of things. So what we see is a wasted experience. Y'all catch this. God sees as potential for grace. What you see as barren and useless, God sees available for his glory. What you might see as dark, and desolate and uninhabitable, God sees possibly, I'm talking about raw materials to make something beautiful again. Amen? Are y'all with me? That is the God that we serve. That's why we sing songs like graves into gardens when there was no way God made a way. Because that's the kind of God we serve. When we hand those things over to Him, when we stop fighting ourselves by ignoring the condition of things, just hoping things will get better, trying on our own, living by faith with our head in the sand, He's ready to take those materials and He's ready to make something beautiful again. See, God doesn't require us to understand His will. Just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. So we see that in Genesis 1-2. But remember, all 66 books are part of the same grand story of his purpose. God is working to redeem the chosen people and call from the Israelites to the Gentiles to every tongue, tribe, and nation, every person that walks the earth are part of the chosen plan of God from Genesis 3. We are all part of the plan. Kiera is part of that plan. She stepped into the plan of God to bring people right back into himself. Regardless of the way things look, because he is able, he can sort things out for his glory. For his glory and for his purposes. So what we see in Genesis 1-2, also we should be able to see in the New Testament. And we do. Luke chapter 5. Let's go there together if you have your Bibles. And it's on the screen if you don't. Luke chapter 5. This is the New Testament. After Malachi, you'll find Matthew, then Mark. Then Luke. These are three gospel writers that all were telling the same story from a different perspective. So Luke chapter 5. What we do is we see Genesis 1-2 in action. Starting in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake Gennesaret, and he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. 
And the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Day was done. They'd called it a day. Let's hang it up, boys, and go to the house. And he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Because water carries audible voices pretty well, doesn't it? If you've ever been fishing, you hear someone tall, like, man, they are close. It's across the water. Christ was there at creation. He understands the physics, even how water carries voices. So he's like, hey, put out a little bit so that my voice can be projected. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, so Simon was in the boat with him. He said, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Peter said, Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long. We've caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. He was sitting in the now. You see what I'm saying? He's sitting in the now. What we see Genesis 1-2 being played out right here. He's sitting in the now. He's sorted out the pieces of what he's looking at. He's dumped out the box of his life. And he's handing it right to the Creator regardless of the way things look. He says, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. If you say so, I'll let down the nets. What in your life do you need to turn over and say, if you say so, I'll do it. If you say so, I'll do it. Because I've been fishing in my life at night for a while and it's gotten me nothing. What is the, if you say so, this morning? When he did this, when he did what? When he said, if you say so. When he did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. He was overwhelmed at how God had sorted things out when he said, if you say so. If all of creation will sing out, we just sang it, so will I. And I want you to catch the scene here. Peter was surveying the state of things. He's like, we just wasted our night fishing. They were frustrated. They were discouraged. They were angry. They had initial disbelief. The nets, y'all catch it, the nets were unformed because there was nothing in it. They were void. They were empty. And the Lord Jesus was there. The Spirit of the Lord in Genesis 1-2 was hovering over that condition. What Peter realized with the Spirit of the Lord through the power of Christ and the sovereignty of God was hovering in his boat. Can you imagine? Man, that's good right there. And because of that, he had a different perspective. Jesus had a different perspective on things. But how often does that similar situation happen to us? Where our expert opinions and, um, and our experience in the current state of things tells us this won't work. This is not going to work. I have surveyed the nows of my life and God, this ain't going to work. Here's what I want us to leave out of here with this morning. We have to remember that our instincts and our experiences have been distorted by sin. There's a song that says, I can see clearly now, the rain is gone. We can't see clearly now. Until Jesus comes in and starts to rearrange things in our life. In fact, here's the thing. Sin probably created our current state of things. 
We can't see things as we need to see them because of sin. We lack understanding because of sin. Our understanding is flawed because of sin. So what in the world can we expect to be sorted out if we first don't take a deep dive in here and unpack some things? That's why we depend on Almighty God. Because He provides the instructions because He's the manufacturer. Regardless of the way things look. Because God has a different perspective. And it says, after Peter laid him out, God began to do a work. After he laid him out, God began to sort him out. After you lay it out, God will begin to sort it out. And at Jesus, when he commanded Peter, and Peter responded in faith, he responded in allegiance, he responded in obedience to the master, the nets began to take shape. What was once dark and empty and void began to give life again. And I have lived it myself. What situation seemed dark and empty and void when I laid it out before him, he began to sort it out. When I said, Master, you've got to take over. Jesus, take the wheel. It's his already. We just need to quit snatching it from him. And so Peter, Peter, Peter's faith, despite the way things looked, and what he thought could happen was rewarded with a catch so big that the boat almost sank. Here's the thing, and I'll, I'll kind of end with this. Christ was sorting out the current state of things to prepare Peter for a greater work in him. That's why he sorts things out. The reason that God sorted things out in Genesis 1-2 was because Genesis 1-3 was about to happen. God sorts things out to, to redefine perspective, and that's what He did. The Lord Jesus was sorting out Peter's perspective to redefine His purpose. And so when we get things out of our lives and we lay it before Him, we get it out so He can sort it out. What He begins to sort out is what we are, were intended to do all along, and that is to live Life for His good purposes. God will rearrange your life as necessary to realign your desires to His purpose. And that hurts. Sometimes it hurts bad. Parent, do you ever have to, to um, necessarily realign your children so that you can redefine their purpose? You, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to take them to the bathroom. Sometimes you just have to, you know, have a, have a holy conversation with them. You got to speak up and speak out. You have to apply discipline to rearrange their purpose. Because they like to get sideways. And so do we. God will rearrange, listen to this, God will rearrange your life as necessary. You ever had your life rearranged? I'm talking about shook you up, rearranged and poured you out. You're thinking, why are you shaking me? Why am I experiencing this void and this darkness and this emptiness? One, because you probably created it in your own life. But by the grace of God, He can take those things regardless of what you see. And He can realign them to redefine your purpose. Simon Peter 
handed what seemed void and useless over to the hand of God. And the rest is history. Hand it to the Lord. He'll sort it out. You know why he'll sort it out? Because he's been sorting things out for his glory since the moment he's spoken into existence. And that is a truth that you can hold on to for 2022. There was this little boy. He went in the grocery store with his mom. And as they went through the line, the clerk asked the mom, she said, can he have some candy? She said, certainly. And so the man from behind the counter pulled out a jar and he held it out to the little boy and the little boy put his hands in his pockets and he just said, mm-mm. And so the man was kind of confused and so he, he kind of uh, held the jar out a little closer to the boy trying to get him to tell you, you know, you know how you do, here you go. And the little boy said no. And so the little boy was confused and, and uh, he said, why don't, why, why don't you want the candy that I'm offering to you? And the little boy said, Mr., I want you to hand it to me. And so the man put his hand in the jar and grabbed some candy, a whole handful, and gave it to the little boy. And he said, thank you, sir. And they went out. And on the way home, the mom said, son, why twice when the man offered you candy, you said no, but you took it after he handed it to you. And he said, mama, because his hands are bigger. (laughs) Church, when you let God sort it out, And you hand it over to him. I can promise you. His hands are big enough. To put the pieces back together. So my challenge for us this morning. Is let's get it out. So he can sort it out. And rest in the hands of the creator. Who's been forming for his purposes. Since the dawn of creation. Amen. So for Kiara Jones. You're in the Father's hand. He can sort it out. And for you this morning, you're in the Father's hand. He can sort it out. Let's stand together, church. The Spirit of the Lord is hovering in this place. I can feel it. Amen. And there are some things that people need to get out. Get it out so he can sort it out. It might be disobedience. It may be rebellion. Willingly. Living against what you know your conscience through the creator's telling you to do. And you need to get it out so he can sort it out. It may be something dark. Void. What what, what seems to be empty. But God can sort it out. It may be some rotten cards that sin has caused this life to to, to, to lay before you, that has dealt you. But I can tell you, regardless of the cards that you hold in your hands, God's hands are bigger and He can sort them out. He's got you. He's got us. He can sort them out. So give Him praise. Even in the dark place this morning, I encourage you to give Him praise. If that valley's deep, praise Him there. Maybe you're on a place where the mountain is steep. Praise Him there this morning. God can sort it out. Lay it out so He can sort it out. Lift His name on high. 
Let him work. Let the spirit that's hovering in this place do some forming in us this morning as a church family so we can withstand the winds of the waves that are coming our way. So let's be a people of praise.